in a world where people voluntarily paste compact discs to their own shirt, four men have a solution. You're listening to the best 168th of your week, The Map Report. Left my home back in Omaha See if I can make it out in the world And I got as far as Wichita Suddenly I wasn't sure anymore Lost all my friends in Los Angeles I'm not welcome in New York But I must stop back in Omaha Where the fans, they always crying out for Alright then, everybody's ready Then once again, one, one more time Welcome to Map Report number 34 June 14th, 2006. Welcome. Welcome. Here we are. We are, uh, three of us are here. Uh, Russ, Andy, and myself will be holding down the fort for you this week uh, because Story is at a, he's at a Giants game, right? Is that where he is? Uh, no, Seattle, Oakland. Oh, my bad. I mean, it would be bad enough if it was just a random baseball game. Sorry, random baseball game, not going to do the map report. I mean, (laughs) at least it's a Mariner game. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Which, so now that you know, you know hopefully, right. if he had kids, he would like abandon them to go watch a Mariners game too. So that's what we need to feel like the priority level is at. <laughs> I know. I think Would, he'd abandon his kids. I have that kind of. I, that's what I think. No, I really do think that. Yeah. <laughs> he might abandon his really kids didn't. just for other reasons too. If there was a really good burrito around the corner or something like that, he could he could abandon them for five minutes. Especially right? a breakfast burrito. I think oh, he'd yeah. be all over that. Absolutely. If his Absolutely. kid hit another kid, that, that's it. They'd be out of the house <laughs> forever. <laughs> oh god i love every time we do a, a show without story it's great because we get to say all these things and stories like i would i like pirates at breakfast burritos and how could you say i would abandon my kids even though i wouldn't have them because i'd think babies are ugly as i've talked about before but why, why would you, you wouldn't you know? have kids yeah well because his propensity to abandon children that <laughs> belong to him story the child abandoners <laughs> he knows funny. he's smart yeah. he understands yeah he would he would admit as much so you say he would. He's not a suitable parent. I'll just running off to Mariners game. Just that. Drop of yeah. hat. So everybody, Sorry, uh, the Tiddly Winks tournament can't do the Met report. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> busy. No, you got twosies, and then I was like, oh well, I can't, I can't leave now. Oh my god, I totally forgot that that's how you did Tiddly Winks. I have no idea what you're talking about. To tell you the truth, Toosies? never played Tiddly Winks. I made that? it up. I think it's more of a Jack's term than Tiddly Winks, but really, who the hell knows the difference? I certainly don't. And certainly not me, yeah. So, Tuesdays I just can argue I've never, I don't think I've ever gotten Tuesdays in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Tiddlywinks had this, like, I, I remember this big, uh, there's this, like, white container in the middle with chips in it, like, you know, poker-like chips, and you have to do something to get them or some for some reason. And that has something to do with Tiddlywinks. I don't really know much beyond that. I, I could buy that, I suppose. Uh, yeah. I have some oh. weird picture in my head of sticks, but I think they might have been some pickup sticks game and not Tiddlywinks. I really don't know <laughs> if I know what Tiddlywinks do. 
that's the thing about old style games, right? If you ever like, I remember rummaging at one point through my grandmother's, like, oh, take a look at this. This is years and years ago. My grandmother's like, look at through this and see if there's any games you'd like. And there were games like Who's Got the Button and Dominoes. Oh, you know, I played Dom- Who's Got the Button. Button, button. Who's got the button? And an old version of Old Maid and like you know pick up sticks and some random Lincoln Log set. And there were some strange games mm, back in the day. I loved Lincoln Logs. You always made the same thing, uh, though. Didn't you just make the same structure? It was always no, a big, like, you know, no, gun tower? a log cabin? Not or a me. gun tower. I was making skyscrapers. Very Wooden small ones, right? Very thin ones and tall ones. That's right. What, you want to make something out of it? <laughs> My wide Lincoln log log cabin? Here. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was one of those things that, uh, you know, like Legos, you, there, there are a bunch of things when you were a kid that you could, Legos were sort of infinitely variable. You could do a lot of things with Legos. They had a, I had an, do you ever have an erector set as a kid where you had all these, like, you got the small little wrench and the screws and the metal pieces. And you could put together, like, a crane and a, you know, and mostly it was just, it was a big no. pain in the ass to put together no. a tiny little crane. Sorry. But you were actually using a wrench, so you felt manly, or at least I did. With my I mean... Set. I did see the movie The Sandlot, so I get the idea. Right, right. There's a lot of director said usage in that movie. Absolutely, yeah. Really? Did I tell you guys that I know one of the kids who was uh, in that movie, Bertram, the third, the lanky third baseman? Really? Is, I remember uh, this, my, yeah. yeah, Bertram's my ex-girlfriend's uh, brother-in-law. Wow. How does it feel to be so close to the stars? <laughs> uh... Kind of underwhelming. He looks nothing like Bertram as like a 25-year-old, and he has lots of tattoos and spiked hair and wears those black spiked collars because he's punk. He's really, really not Bertram at all. So it kind of broke him for life being in that movie. I mean, you know what happened to Child Stars. That's a little harsh. (laughs) Well, I mean... Child Stars do weird stuff. Sure. Think of all the Corys. You know all those Corys. Sure. How many Corys are there? Corey Haim. Corey... Corey Feldman. Feldman. Yeah. That's about all I got. Corey Hart. Yeah. and then I think there were two Corys, weren't there? Corey Stevenson yep. killed himself. Who? The Hacksaw. What? Remember that? No. And, uh, I don't even know who Corey Stevenson is. Corey, Corey Jones. Corey Stewart Masterson almost killed his mom. Uh, Corey Jones. And, uh, never really made it. Now I can yeah. tell that. Oh, uh, Corey Jones. That kid is you're crazy. You're actually joking. He was like in the NBA. Should have suspected as much. On some work release program. It's really sad. I don't know Seven why. Seven foot eight doesn't make any program sense. In the NBA. <laughs> Seven foot eight, but he just couldn't hold on to the ball. Because his hands were AK-47s. <laughs> they kept grabbing it and going, you'll never take me alive! And they're like, and Corey Jones has fouled out of the game again. The only way he would stop killing people was if they would put him in the NBA. <laughs> so they made him a backup guard on the Sonics. It was not a, a good show. Guard. The Sonics have need a good backup guard. They do. Luke Ridnor not cutting it. Or maybe you you're thinking of Luke Ridnor not having an adequate replacement. Can you imagine that conversation kind of would go? That, but yeah, that too. They call Luke Ridnor into the office and they're like, Luke, you're being replaced by this guy. He's like, you're replacing me with a 7'7 seven seven guy with AK-47 for hands? They're like, well, you're just not cutting it, dude. We thought he'd be more intimidating. Like, oh, okay. He is a core. I mean, oh, all right. <laughs> exactly. AK-47s for hands. I think that's all you'd have to tell him. I think he'd accept it. Can we write this screenplay, please, after the show? <laughs> I know, seriously. Let's, let's yeah, let's out. just, uh, after I the know show. somebody who'd buy it. We could sell it tomorrow. <laughs> a new Disney movie. The man yeah. with Soviet assault rifles with her hands <laughs> who played basketball. A touching story. From the producers of the air up there. A story of a young man with machine guns for hands. I can't dribble. <laughs> I can only shoot. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that God. would be really spectacular. 
it actually would probably fit, I mean, you know, given the way a lot of superhero movies have gone lately, where they've just, some of them have gotten, some of them worked, but some of them have gotten, some of the heroes are just a little bit bizarre, you know. Have you guys seen up. all this hype about how the news, like, people are making, I mean, all of the, the comic freaks are making fun of the new Superman movie that's coming out, saying that the new Superman character is, like, the gayest superhero of all time? No. no. I just saw some and trailers about it. I mean, I don't know if he is, but all these Marvel reps have to, like, or rather, not Marvel, it's DC. All the DC reps had to come out and, like, defend how Superman wasn't gay. And the director <laughs> of the movie had to be interviewed where he was like, uh, Superman is the least gay character I've ever directed. I don't know where this is coming from. It's just great <laughs> to have them have to defend Superman being heterosexual <laughs> because this movie's going to be so bad. They're like, is he gay? What's his deal? Why is he all moosed up and shiny? Stupid he can't Superman. be possibly as, as gay as the greatest American hero. Do you remember that guy? That guy was gay. <laughs> I don't he know was who that is. Gay. Oh, yeah. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I can't air. believe it myself. <laughs> Suddenly I'm upon top of the world. Should have been somebody oh. else. The difference is I, I know when to stop. Oh, uh, nice. You know, the only knowledge I have of that song the mic. <laughs> is George Costanza's answering machine message. That's the only way I have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, it, I because didn't know that. I forgot about that. That's his answering he machine He did a spoof message. on that. He's like, <laughs> believe, believe it or, or not, not, George isn't at home, so <laughs> leave a message at the beep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, the, the greatest American hero. I never knew that was from anything. That fit into the... curly uh, blonde hair. Yep, that's right. Yeah, that's kind of gay. Imagine that. Yep, he fit into the 1980s group of. Um, Great, you're not gonna you're not gonna go out of your way to to express to our our curly blonde haired listeners that we love all people of all different hair types and colors. I, I was just waiting for you to jump in and say something that you know. It seems like every time we say you say something uh, disparaging, you're ready to jump in and tell listeners that we still love them. So I know, guess I feel well, like you're not fulfilling your role here. Well, I guess I wasn't aware that you're saying that he had curly blonde hair was supposed to explain to people that therefore he's gay. I wasn't making the connection, but if he is doing oh, that... Oh, yeah, that was definitely... Oh, oh okay. All right, okay. I apologize for Andy saying that curly blonde hair people are gay. Although, if you are gay and have curly blonde hair, we're fine with that it's here at the MEP Report. Gay. We'd like it's to apologize to you in, in advance for any slurs it's, that may or may not have been made at this point. We love you all, and we're sorry. That, yes. It really isn't... I'm not saying that they're gay. I'm just saying they look really gay. Yeah, well, just to press the point, um, Art I Garfunkel, mean, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Um, oh, yeah. That guy in the movie with Brooke Shields where they're both like 17 and living on that island or something. Blue Lagoon? Naked. Blue Lagoon? Yeah, Blue yep. Lagoon. Blue Lagoon. Oh, man, she's it, so hot. I was going to say, it'd be sad if he was gay in that situation. <laughs> That'd be really unfortunate. <laughs> 20 years later, you know, she's really not that hot anymore. What happened? She really years. isn't, is she? Can someone explain to me <laughs> no, how Heather Locklear very scary. is now 85 years old but is still hot? How is that possible? Heather Locklear is still hot somehow. You think she's still hot? I, she's pretty hot. I don't know about that. She's pretty hot. She has sure nearly a esophagram. She's running on nuclear power at this <laughs> is point. That what it is? <laughs> some weird thing on it. Yeah. I don't know. What, I don't know. Uh, if we thought about older, like hot, at, what, what actresses who are older are still hot? Like, people we thought were hot that still are. Clearly, Gina Davis is not, right? She's gone the other direction. So. Very much not. Okay. She kind of looks like, you remember how in, uh, what the hell is the name of the women baseball movie? League of Their Own. That she's in. League of Their Own. League Thank of Their you. Own. In the, <laughs> in the beginning of League of Their Own, when she plays, like, the old version of herself, that's kind of what she looks like now. She has, like, the old makeup in real life. 
Yeah, it's not. It's kind of unfortunate. <laughs> but what about ones that are though? Are there any hot older actresses? There must be. Uh, sure. I'm not really into that. Demi Moore. I don't know. B. Arthur. Yeah, I mean, how old are we talking about? Do you have like a range so that I know um, where we're going to be? Like, okay, they're they're right out. That's just ridiculous. Uh, let's say up to fifty. Like Estelle Getty. I don't think she's been hot for sixty years. Who the hell is this? St- oh, Estelle yeah, no, Getty okay. was the youngest of the Golden Girls. Did you know that? In really? real life, so she was, she was the youngest. The least attractive was that the deal? And she was just made up to look old. Well, how about this, Terry? Oh, no H- wonder she's still going. Terry Hatcher is getting up there, but she's still pretty hot, right? Okay. So basically, you're talking like 40 to 50, right? Not 40 is a little I young. I would yeah. say I would say high 40s to make this work. Terry she's Hatcher 40, is definitely no. not in her 50s. Yeah, let's say well, let's is say she? like 48 to 50. Let's say 47 to 50, somewhere in that range, late 40s. That's not Terry Hatcher wow, at all. Wow, that's a pretty small range. Well, 46 it is a tiny to 50. range. Of, Terry Hatcher is like 44 or something, isn't okay. she? I guess late 40s is what I'm talking about. Let's let's I'll, I'll work on the IMDb of Terry Hatcher. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing that too, just because I was like, man, I'm gonna have no knowledge of women who are 47 to 52 years old that are actually. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm just no thinking about kidding. like, okay, Susan Sarandon. Like, I'm Terry actually Hatcher go is the... 42. Okay, She's 42. that doesn't work. Then that doesn't work. Right. She's got to be late 40s. Yeah, I knew she wasn't above late her 40s, early 50s. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> late 40s, early 50s. And what I mean, about you know, she's Susan Sarandon? High. Susan she, Sarandon. I'll put you, her out there. Not recently. She's kind of... <laughs> you're great. Craig's like, well, you're 10 years ago. You're saying that about, about <laughs> every woman because you don't want to actually find women above the age of 50 to be attractive. That's well, not okay. true. Well, Terry Hatcher is... Not true. I mean, not Terry Hatcher. Susan Sarandon is 60. 60. So she's 60. She's 60. That'd be but a stretch. But I think she's pretty good looking for a 60-year-old. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with that. I'm not... I don't think she's that attractive. But for 60, yeah. I don't know if there are any... I don't think there are any actresses. I think they kill actresses off <laughs> in the age of 47 to 52. <laughs> Carrie Who? Fisher? Carrie Fisher? No, she hasn't been hot in 25 years. She wasn't even hot in, when Harry met Sally, and that was like 1985. She's, Mr. Window in she's more hot than that. You're being unfair. She's a little more hot than that. She's really not. You know who's as hot know. as Carrie Fisher? Have you guys ever seen The Fifth Element, that movie? Yes. Yes. Mila Jovovich? Do you know the... No, no. Do you know the spoof woman who has the buns on her head who's supposed to make fun of Princess Leia, who's like oh, really yeah. disgusting looking? That's who's as attractive as Carrie Fisher. I don't know why I came up with that other than that she was the spoof woman. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, Daphne Zunga is way hotter than Carrie Fisher. Who? From uh, Spaceballs. You know, the spoof princess from Spaceballs. Oh. No. Yeah, Isn't I'm that sorry. her name? I'm not, I don't know. She was in Melrose Place for a while, and her name is Daphne Zunga or something. Daphne Zunia. Daphne. Look, I buy it. I'm totally. I totally buy it. I just have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Daphne. Zuniga. Daphne Zuniga. Right. She. Oh, here it is. Perfect. She's forty. Nah. She's forty-four. <laughs> Close. She's 40 See? Close. No, no, no. She's Look, forty-four. My she's point is definitely hot. My point is definitely if, still hot. If you're up to the age of forty-five, you've still got quite a bit of you're in. You're you still have the potential to be at the edge of your hotness prime. But when you get past that point, you're in your high you no. know, high forties, your upper forties, your low your fifties. Then that's going to be more challenging. And if you get to the sixties, then it gets a little bit silly. It's like you know. I, mean, I disagree, Greg. So. I think that any women, any actresses who are still hot at 45 to 50 are like super beings and way well beyond the level of hotness of any mortal. Okay, well, Heather Lockley considered hot by young people. How old is Demi Moore? Yeah, I think that's like the prime example, really. Locklear is only 45. 40, is exactly 45, 44. so she's Demi a year Moore older than 44. Zuniga. 
Demi Moore is 44. So she's she's really on the edge there still. Not really get it done either. I don't know. There's it's tough to think of who who did I? It's like I'm trying to think of who I thought was attractive in the 80s. Maybe we should explain it this way, and we could actually ask bring our listeners in on this and and ask the question. Does anyone out there believe that there's there's always been sort of this alleged double standard where supposedly men are allowed to be older and considered attractive because they get rugged and all that stuff, but when women reach a certain point, they're no longer attractive at that point? Is that actually true? Like, are there more supposedly, allegedly, in popular culture, hot male actors that are older than hot female actors that are older? Like, is that tr- true or not? I think that's absolutely true. I mean, Jack Nicholson, right? He was dating 20-year-olds in his 70s. There's no woman that could pull that off without just throwing money at them. It's I mean, without having actual sex appeal. Right. Unless we're missing something. Unless we're missing somebody. Well, look, mm. if there was any woman who ever made a movie where she, you know, was lobotomized and then her Native American friend threw a giant water fountain through a caged window and escaped, then, <laughs> then it would be hot when they were 70. But they never did that. Only Jack Nicholson did that. <laughs> and, and it wasn't when he was 70 either, thanks to the one, one floor of the no. cuckoo's nest reference. That was good, though. It wasn't. <laughs> that was like 40 years ago now. Do, well, okay, let me. there's another way to put this, too. Oh. Are there women that you thought or actresses that you thought were really hot in the 80s, and you look back at them now, I mean, in their 80s hotness, and look back at them now, and you're like, what the hell was I thinking? Does that ever happen? This started to happen to me when I was like 17. Because I would remember actresses from when I was eight years old that I thought were amazing and young, and I'm at 17. I'm like, what the hell? Why is she so old? What? what <laughs> no, but happened? like at the time, it's always 1987. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the no, no. world is 1987. But I don't mean that. I'm talking you about think, in you, 1987. You second guess, right? Your decision at that time. At that time, right? It's hard because in my mind, the present time is still 1990. Basically, that's where everything <laughs> stems from. 1990, when I was 10. So. Any point past 1990 is the future. So we're now like 16 <laughs> years into the future. So things are getting really warped and messed up. Why is like 1990 the cutoff point? getting really old. Like Kevin Bacon is like, his face is made of rubber now and he was supposed to be this young guy in 1990. <laughs> so I don't understand what's happening. But it's well, really weird. It's freaking me out. And more so every year it gets worse and worse. I don't understand why. Why is 1990 the cutoff point, if I may ask? I don't know. I feel like that's when I was like really... For not only self-aware, but, like, I really was in tune with what was going on with myself for the first time. And I, I mean, I understood what was going on before when I was seven and six. But when I was ten, I was like, all right, now I understand. This is what the world is like. And so from that point, that became the present. Oh. Yeah. That was when you are at your prime. And you are over the hill. <laughs> I guess so. I guess it's all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> what, when were you ten? Then summer? Uh, Back in the summer of 89. Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> Lord have mercy. So, so yeah, that ha- that's been happening to me for years, Greg. This is nothing new. I see. It just I gets see. worse every year. I mean, Daphne Zuniga is a perfect example because she was like the ultimate hottie in Spaceballs, which was like '87, a few years before my present day. Mm-hmm. But you know, still, she's she's old now. She plays the mom. You can't play the mom. It's Daphne Zuniga. Yeah. There's Princess no- Vespa. That's Come true. on. Yeah, you're right. She's yeah. changed a lot. Yeah, in, her, in the Winslet. way she taught. Is only 30, she's I believe, a, or 31. She's and I find so her old, extremely she? hot. She does, because she's been around since she was, you know, in her 20s. Yep. And yeah. so does uh, the troll. What's her name? That actress, the troll? You know the troll. The troll? Who am I what? talking about? What? The actress that looks like a troll that was in uh, Interview with the Vampire when she was a little girl, and now oh, she's an adult Kirsten, actress. Oh, Kirsten Dunn. Kirsten Dunn. He's nice to Kirsten Yeah, the troll. Looks you know. like a troll. She's not a troll. <laughs> I think she's pretty attractive. <laughs> what? Her teeth are like pointy teeth, like demon teeth. 
And she has fine. a weird face. She was like the worst possible. Wait, didn't she have demon teeth because she was ever. in an interview with a vampire and they gave her pointy teeth? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> you jest. No, I mean in real life. Maybe that's how she got the role because she looks like that. Oh, but she never was supposed to be a love interest after a vampire. Oh well, that yeah, uh, who, a little bizarre. You know what happened? She just made friends with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, and just they just set her up for things after that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know she comes from sort of an illustrious acting family anyway, which is the whole. Half of these people are just mommy and daddy, following mommy and daddy, and sure. becoming famous. I don't know. I guess. I but guess. Winslet, I think. I think she was hot. Have you guys ever seen the movie Quills? Oh with, my gosh! What a disturbing uh, movie. Rush. The the most disturbing her, movie I've ever seen. Sounds very. I found her extremely alluring in that movie. I don't remember Quills. I couldn't even get to the about? movie. I was so like revolted by the movie. It was about. <laughs> it, it was Marquis about the Marquis de Sade. Oh, it was so revolting. It really was. Like it, the the uh, scenes were just disgusting. I'm so, I'm not being a prude here. It was like disgusting because of the graphic violent nature of it, not because of anything sexual. Mm -hmm. You know, or I guess it's more disturbing because it's mixed in with sexuality, but it was just gross. There was lots of blood and, you know, lots of ugh, I didn't want to talk about it. It was terrible. One that was the actually the only movie where I accepted Joaquin Phoenix's role in it. Because I've always hated him. Except in that movie, he sort of fit as like this very strange, self-repressed priest. I sort of believed him. Anything else, I just think he's just a big faker. I don't really believe him in any other movie. Other than the self-conscious <laughs> priest. Because he's attracted to Kate Winslet, but he can't do anything about it. And people can relate to that, I think. Yeah. I think the average moviegoer can relate to that. Be like, oh, Kate Winslet, she's hot, but I can't do anything about it. Here's an example. I agree with you, Joaquin Phoenix. Here's an example of one, and you just reminded me of it when you were talking about movies about the Marquis de Sade, uh, Dangerous Liaisons. The younger girl, not Glenn Close, but um, was it Uma Thurman, I guess, is the one, was somebody yeah, that at the she, time yeah. I thought was hot, and I no longer think she's hot. But at I the time, I thought she was. I think she's one of the most was. unattractive actresses who's considered attractive. Uma Thurman, I don't see it at all. Yeah, Uma Thurman, uh, not, not so much. Hey, makes a great action yeah. hero. Like, have her being punched in the face and punching other people in the face. You don't care, because it's not like they're going to ruin anything. It's fine. <laughs> she's tall and lanky and in shape, so that's good. She's like uh, Liam Neeson. She's like the female Liam Neeson. It's like, uh, not that attractive, but good at action stuff and sort of imposing. But Liam really Neeson looks and... rugged. I think he, he's attractive to women. You think, you think women think Liam Neeson is attractive? I think many do. Do you the think accent and the ruggedness. Do you think Superman would find Liam Neeson about... attractive? Would Superman find yes. attractive? What okay. if Superman were Daniel Day-Lewis and <laughs> Irish, and then Liam Neeson he was Rob pull Roy? That part. The, the Daniel Day-Lewis is a hack. He couldn't pull <laughs> off that part. <laughs> he's not tall enough. And he's not named Reeves, and neither is this guy. Therefore, there should be no new Superman movie. Just You're a big it, Superman fan, weren't you, Russ? Well, that's part of the thing is... Oh, because Christopher Reeve was like my hero growing up, so there's no way I would ever accept some new crappy Superman, which is why I never watched Dean Cain, and I don't watch this crappy Smallville crap. Any other Superman manifestation is garbage. And so, yeah, the new gay Superman is even more garbage, but that doesn't surprise me. I mean, can I ask, what made Christopher I mean, Reeve your Christopher hero? Reeve, Just because he was in Superman and so he's he a hero? the Superman character so much that they started doing the artwork in the comic book to look like Christopher Reeve, and that just stuck. And now every characterization of Superman is made to look like Christopher Reeve because he was so identifiable as Superman. So now they have to find actors who look like Christopher Reeve to play Superman, and it's just retarded. I mean, George Reeves looked nothing like what we think Superman looks like. He had, like, gray hair, and he was all tan and weird-looking. He didn't look anything like Superman. So you think the chance? And he was the original Superman. So the chances of getting somebody like Art Garfunkel to play Superman are pretty pretty low, you would say. 
Well, I'm not in the new movie. In the new movie, Art Garfunkel would be perfect. <laughs> he's like, he's attacking Lex <laughs> Luthor while he's like, Are you going to Scarborough Fair? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Parsley, sage, and kryptonite. <laughs> He's like, Remember I will build a bridge over troubled water. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, he could use that crappy power from Superman 4 where he uses the blue beam out of his eyes to build masonry. Remember that ability that allows him to build structures with his eyes? And then he could sing that song. Like I think I was bridge. lucky to have missed this. Over the Statue of Liberty, I have a blue building eye beam. Cause I'm retarded and gay Art Garfunkel. I think it's Where's Paul Simon now? I hate to say I have some I have some theory I have some some inkling that of all the people that we that exist that are sort of somewhat celebrities. Art Garfunkel is the kind of guy who listens to podcasts now. I mean, basically, you know, he he never had a solo career of any kind. He basically just came out and was like, I didn't do anything but sing Paul Simon songs. And so now he's just sitting at home somewhere and he listens to podcasts. And I think it's quite possible that Well, then you better apologize to him for the way that we've been treating well, him. Well, that's what I'm saying is we got to be careful. I'm saying we got to be careful about that. We want to apologize to any fans who may be Art Garfunkel. <laughs> If you like Art Garfunkel. If you are Art Garfunkel-like, you sound or look like Art Garfunkel. Or if you're simply homosexual, we apologize for any comments that may disparage you or your family. We or do. other folk musicians that resemble superheroes that are crappy. So that, that actually raises and an interesting question. So many of them. Which, was, which is, who is the really? stupidest superhero ever created? <laughs> the stupidest superhero. That is an interesting question. The dumbest. Ever. ever. Russ, are you a big comic book guy? Because I don't, I don't have, I can't say who the stupidest one is because I haven't read nearly enough comic books. Yeah, I, no I don't idea. really have enough. I, there was like a year of my life where I liked comics, which is compared to twenty six of baseball, one year of comics is not that much. <laughs> so I, I can't pretend to have that amount of of knowledge. I see. I mean, there are some stupid like Cloak and Dagger were pretty dumb, which is why their thing got canceled. I don't even know what Dagger was. Dagger was just this chick who apparently liked knives that hung out with Cloak, who was this big, imposing black guy who had a cloak that would, like, suck you into the netherworld. Wow. So, but, Whoa. you know, at some point you'd think that, like, he would fill up. Like, if he sucked enough bad guys up into his cloak, he would, like, it would be like in Ghostbusters where you need to, like, put him in a storage facility or something. You can't just keep them all in your cloak. But he never had that problem. Right. He could just suck in. He, you know, there's a very similar good guy in the anime Inuyasha where there's this monk who has, like, this cursed hand that can suck things into it. And so he takes these beads off of his hand, and then he goes, Wind tunnel! Which is supposed to be a power, but really he's just unleashing his curse on bad guys and sucking them up <laughs> into his hand. But then you're just like, okay, well, eventually your hand's going to fill up, and you're going to burst. Demons are going to explode out of your face. Well, but, but, it never happens. but it's not going into him. It's going it's into some netherworld, right? It's just like not, he's just a portal to the netherworld. Yeah, it's unclear. Well, because my thing about that is that it's definitely lost me here. Well, the thing is, it's too it's too big a power, right? Like that's one of those ones where it sounds impressive, and then you're like, so why doesn't he always do that? You know, like we talked about the thing how Voltron, you yeah. know, has to assemble the robot, and we were like, why would you ever do that? Why not just keep the robot around all the time? Same thing here. Like, why why wouldn't you just walk around sucking bad guys up? Like, how would that ever not work? You know, is this like I will prevent you from getting your cloak by wrapping a lasso around you, so now you can't open your cloak? Like, how, that just it doesn't. You know, at that yeah. point, just Game the over, only exception, you know? really, is be it has to be like an ethereal thing. Like a demon can get sucked up into the size of like a quarter hole in his hand. But if it's like a big rock, a big man made of stone or granite, 
big monster, you can't really suck that thing up into a little tiny hole in your hand, and that's really the only limitation. Cloak could do it. Cloak could just sweep his cloak over anything, and they'd be gone. Right. Which is why he sucks. Right. Because the excitement the factor has some limitations. It's like the excitement factor then is totally based on like getting on whether he's going to get the phone call. The guy's like, "You must cut off the phone line to Cloak. If we can just keep <laughs> them from attacking us, and keep Cloak away." So it's like ring, ring. Who is that? The bad guy who has like sent some like prostitute to his office. Like, oh, don't get that Cloak. Just stay with me. It's like, will Cloak get the phone call? Because if anybody shows up, game over, That's right? What they should do. They should do just how lame it would be. They'd be like Cloak versus Superman. Superman rushes Cloak. Cloak sidesteps and puts his cloak over Superman. <laughs> Superman's gone forever. <laughs> exactly. well, I win again. <laughs> Sorry, Superman. Could he ever screw up and like throw his cloak over himself for some unknown reason? That would be awesome. He's like going to take a shower and he's taking his cloak off and all of a sudden he accidentally like reverses it around himself and you know. Yeah, and then daggers <laughs> around to stab herself in the eyes when anything goes wrong. Oh no, cloak messed up. <laughs> Makes no sense. All right. Now that we've lost the entire part of our uh, listening no, I don't population agree. that doesn't have any clue what cloak and dagger are. <laughs> I don't agree. They're probably all fired it's up about cloak and imagery. dagger. They're, they're fired they up about it. topics and everything else. Absolutely. Hello. I am a Mac. And I love the map report. So I email story and Andy and Russ and Greg at mapreport.com. Sometimes I call the map report a 206-600 map one. And sometimes I vote for them on podcastalley.com because it's better than dragging to trash. So I have to ask a question on a totally different topic, which is, have you guys at all been watching, since we promised not to be America-centric in this podcast, have any of you guys been watching the World Cup? I have. Uh, I have. And I have, too. Excellent. So now that okay, we've watched next it, question. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. I have one. So now that we've watched it, is there something that we can? Now that we've seen it, can we say now that we understand what makes it such a, a worldwide sport? Because, and I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. I was getting my hair cut today, and the guy who cuts my hair is Italian. So I walk in, and he's wearing a baseball no. cap. He's of course shocking. He's wearing an Italian baseball cap, and he's got the World Cup on. And I walk in, I'm like, oh, I see you got the World Cup on. He's like, yep, and. The other person in the in the in the barbershop with him is like, yeah, he's not going to take that off, uh, you know, for the whole World Cup. And he's like, nope. I was like, so how, what do you think Italy's chances are? And all of a sudden, his eyes get really wide, and he's like, I think Italy is going to win the whole World Cup. And you know why? You know why Italy's going to win the whole World Cup? Because we're hungry. We're hungry, and we're ready, and we're ready to do And he just, like, goes off on this, and I'm like, the U.S. You let this is... guy near you with scissors? Yeah, well, you know, that's what I mean. I'd never seen this before, except, you know, from the World Cup, which makes me wonder about the level of passion, you know? I mean, they always say it's passionate, and this guy, well, passionate, no no doubt about it. So what, what's up well, with that? It's every you four know, years. For I think living. baseball. I think baseball would be interesting if they limited. You know, you could only win a championship every four years. People would be much more excited about much it. Much more fired up, huh? Sure, it's true. You know, I'm actually somewhat into FIFA this year, only because I went to uh, Story Clayton's fantasy sports boot camp <laughs> last weekend. Exactly. Where uh, you either play sports or play sports-related video games all day long. Right. And so that was a lot of fun. But you know, part of what we did was we played FIFA so much, and it just gets you into the spirit of the tactics and the games and even the, some of the players' names from 03 were in there. And then I came home to my brand new HD setup where I, have, I can watch this stuff on HD TV, and it's ridiculous. And it's true, 
I did watch NASCAR when I had my HDTV first, Ooh, and I did watch that's the Discovery Channel with like ladybugs for a half hour because it was on HDTV. <laughs> the ladybug. And I basically will watch anything that's on HDTV because I'm mesmerized by it. But I still enjoyed. I even watched Game Two of the NHL Finals on HDTV. Wow. That's how much I love HDTV. Wow. I could care less. But I was like, wow, you can actually see what's going on in hockey. It was never a TV sport until now. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I gave it a shot. But yeah, FIFA is amazing on HDTV. It's unbelievable. Freaking, you can see everything. So when the guy the whines, when the guy drops to the ground and holds his knee as if his you know, knee's been broken before getting up and like running around again, you can see like the facial expression as clearly he's faking everything? I mean, it's kind of trite, and it's kind of like all these bad commercials about great video quality, but it really is kind of like <laughs> lying down in the middle of the field mm-hmm. and just rolling around watching this stuff go on in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, and that's, that's, that would be exciting, even if you weren't really a big fan of the sport. I mean, if you were there in the middle of like a giant, you know, if you were watching curling, but you were like sitting on the target, on the curling target, and you couldn't really stand or run away, you could sort of like sidle one way or another then you would definitely be engaged by the event and what happened. <laughs> if it was like a bad dream where you couldn't run away, but you could only watch what happened and sort of move slowly one way or another. That happens to me in dreams all the time. I'm just like, oh, I can't really? run. Got to sit here and watch what happens. Well, there's like, uh, there's like a commercial Doesn't about that, isn't there? The, the Michael Vick experience where you're like, supposedly they, this guy's in a ride where it's like as if you were Michael Vick and he, you know, you're strapped in and you like, you're going down a field and like as something comes towards you, it like flips you up and flips you over left and right and it's all this very exciting ride because apparently that's, you know, Michael Vick's life and then it follows with you throwing an interception. No, I made that last part up. But everything else is true. So it's sort of like that, I guess, that as if you were in a ride, except you were a FIFA ride, and you were part of it. I've had a lot of dreams like that, where just be like, okay, now people are going to chase you, but you have to sort of like drag yourself along by your knuckles because your legs don't work. <laughs> exactly. I hate those dreams. <laughs> they drive me nuts. They sound bad. It's pretty they funny. Do. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever see those commercials? Um, one of them had Michael Vick, where it showed Michael Vick in practice, and he threw a pass to a guy, and the guy got knocked over by the pass, and then he threw another pass, and it went over the stadium. I it was like a series one, yeah. of commercials. They did a newer one with LeBron like a year and a half ago where it shows LeBron hitting like five consecutive three-quarter court shots and just like throwing them in one after another. For the longest time, people think these are real because they're designed to look like they happen sort of off camera, not when you're, they're supposed to be filming and people are like, oh, my God. <laughs> and it's just this commercial company who's like literally trying as hard as they can to deceive people into thinking that these stars have supernatural powers. And they make no, you know, ability to try to, they, they make no attempt to try to say they're fooling or that they're making things up. They actually try to convince you that Michael Vick can, you know, knock a 300-pound man over by throwing a pass at him. That really made me feel like mad. they have an obligation to have a little disclaimer or something. Michael Vick can't actually should. throw the ball out of the stadium. Because it's a fake documentary commercial is what it is. It's like, <laughs> oh, look, we captured this amazing thing in footage. We're going to show it to you and make it into a commercial. But no, they just engineered the whole thing and tried to make it look real. And it makes me angry because people thought <laughs> like people thought it was real. Like I saw it in a movie theater one time as a preview. They showed the LeBron commercial. A third of the theater like got up and started cursing and saying, holy shit, he hit six th- third Full court shots. Oh, my God. He's God. I'm like, it's fake. I read the article. They made it up. It's fake. But people think it's real. That's where it's crossing the line. Yep. Advertising is bad enough. Yep. Well, the thing I – have you seen those commercials that I think are they're, – they're actually kind of wild where they show 
sort of uh, um, classic moments in sports TV history, and then they change them slightly. So they show Michael Jordan going up for that famous shot against Cleveland where he takes a shot. Oh, the Gatorade Yeah, commercial. and then he misses the shot, except you're like, wait a minute, didn't he hit that shot? It shows him like walking around, and he's upset. And then like uh, Montana throws the end <laughs> ball into the end zone, but instead of Clark bringing it down, it's like over his the, over the tips of his fingers, and the guy behind him like starts cheering. And, and you're seeing this, and it's an out-of-body experience because I'm like, wait a minute, I that's not wait, what? Is that how it happened? No. You know, and then they're like, if you drink Gatorade, this is what would have happened. And then they show them the actual clips of the shots. But those those screw with your head, man. They really do. I actually like that commercial. Because as a sports fan, you're at least supposed to know that they're screwing. It's not like they're actually trying to make you believe that oh, well, right. all of the events you remember are the opposite. But it does make there you think, There was no immaculate reception. He missed, and they lost. Yeah. And the game over. <laughs> I mean, that was impressive CGI. To me... The other series was just like, no, you're actually trying to fool people into thinking that LeBron James can shoot full-court shots with impunity, but he just chooses not to in the regular games because it'd be showing off. <laughs> <laughs> like, why wouldn't he? They should just inbound it to him and it'd just be like, three, inbound, three, inbound, three. <laughs> Cover me now, bitch. <laughs> Three-quarter court. <laughs> he hits the million-dollar shot every time. Absolutely. People thought it was true because they'll believe anything because you drink Sprite. Well, this is why, guys. I mean, pe- Which I love. a lot of people, uh, a lot of people love pro wrestling for the same reason. I've had our discussions with people who are like, "Oh yeah, well that's totally real," and I'm like, "Wait a minute." The part where the guy takes the guy's head and rams it full speed into an iron post—that's real. He's like, "Oh sure." You see the blood coming from their head. I'm like, "Well, but so they can get cut sometimes, and sometimes <laughs> it's fake." But you don't. They're like, "No, no, no, it's never fake." I'm like, okay. Oh, they have blood capsules. The part where they jump from the top rope and the guy puts his elbow in the throat of the guy on the ground—that's real. He's like, "Oh yeah." The part where you take a guy's arm and you twist it 15 consecutive times, and the guy's just like, "Ow, oh, that hurts," <laughs> instead of being like, "Ah," <laughs> like in, in the ground, like in horror. That that's real. Like, oh yeah, that's totally real. It's amazing. These guys are great athletes. I'm like, uh, okay. So people will believe anything. I mean, you, did you guys know that in professional wrestling that they actually hide razor blades under the mat so that it key points of the match they can like reach under the mat take out a razor blade and cut themselves across the forehead to make themselves bleed that's distressing they that actually do this true. It, no. always, it is absolutely it used true. To be true it is true they do this yeah. bring through blades yeah, used to be true absolutely oh what a poor They're choice too, i mean they supposed either to use blood capsules which they used to use either blood capsules or blood they capsules. will cut themselves or they will cut themselves with razor blades right. and just Why would bleed you ever cut for the rest of the match with a blood capsule how about a box cutter andy better. would a box cutter work <laughs> <laughs> it looks a box cutter no hey. yeah they do they do do that yeah. absolutely could you take down <laughs> yeah. they used to ray do mysterio with a box cutter no he knows how to get her. He uses a box cutter in his own face. Right. <laughs> if he were a pilot, he wouldn't be threatened by a box cutter. He'd be like, give me that. <laughs> See, look. I cut myself in the face of that all the time. I mean, you don't scare me, terrorist. I'm not saying that, I mean, look, I'm not claiming that uh, these guys don't do things which are pretty impressive athletically, but the idea that, you know, they're jumping from 50 feet and then they hit a guy with a spiked boot and, you know, somehow the guy survives that and it wasn't all fake to begin with, that's, um, that's all rational people ought to be able to see that. But a lot of people are just, you know, Oh, how about this? I have a long-standing argument with my aunt, my mom's sister, who claims that ballet dancers are the best athletes in the world, bar none. That uh, there is no you athlete. Know, I can actually. I will go in to a for ballet this one. dancer. Last night, I did. I was at trapeze school. I did an hour of trapeze. <laughs> trapeze school. You did. I did. My law firm 
brings all the law firms compete to do the most outrageous, fun, unique things with their summer associates to try to get these interns to agree to stay with them, and they bring them to all kinds of crazy events. This is this, and, where, this know, is really, really great. Competition to come up with the most creative. They're like, yeah, trapeze school. We do that every day at my law firm. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, it's not. Everybody knows that the the summer is nothing like what it would be like to work there, but it's still a competition. So we went to trampoline school, and there was one of our summer associates was not an an athlete other than the fact that she had done ballet, and and at that she had done it years ago, like several years ago. And while the rest of us were just trying to figure out how to get our legs hooked around and how to swing upside down and maybe how to do a backflip off of it, she is up there, and and within like ten minutes is swinging and has one leg hooked and the other one's hanging off, and then she goes into a full split and is swinging back and forth in a full split, just holding herself, you know, holding onto the bar, but her legs are split and she's upside down. So I was extremely impressed, and now I think that ballerinas must be amazingly strong and, and flexible. I've never seen anything like that before. Wow. I mean, there are people at this okay. event who have done this for years in a row, and they were just still trying to... I mean, they were better than us, but they were still nothing close to this girl. Wow. So yeah, you're going to go ahead really and impressive. say, ballet dancers, best athletes in the world. I mean, that's a strong statement, but they're definitely... They should not be underestimated. I'll just leave it at that. I, mean, I don't know if they're the best Clea in the world. is classically trained in so ballet, like guy, so I should ask her, Clea, are you the best athlete in the world? And if she says yes, then we have an answer. Right, the guy who just broke the world record for the hundred meter dash a few weeks ago. He's a ballet dancer. Not as good an athlete as a ballet dancer. No, he is a ballet dancer. You just don't realize. Well, that's a very specific. <laughs> that's a very specific athletic skill. I mean, oh no, he's I mean, a very like, good let's runner. say you put him up against a ballet dancer in like a variety of athletic events, and who would win, this guy or a ballet dancer? It depends on what you mean by athletic events. I mean, if you, I'm sure that she would. You know, obviously destroy him in anything that took into account flexibility and, you know, fine control of, of the body and things like that, the ability to hold certain positions. I mean, you know, if he, I guess running-wise, he'd, he'd obviously win. I mean, I don't know how strong the guy is, but, I mean, he's a guy... You mean a male ballet dancer? I mean, to be fair? Yeah. The oh, male, yeah, male yeah. runner versus the male ballet sure. dancer? I mean, I bet the male ballet dancer would be stronger in, in almost every sense except the, except the uh, running. I mean, they're extremely okay. strong. That's true. I mean, they're, Jerome they're really Bettis muscular. Versus the best oh, yeah. male, male ballet dancer in the world in boxing. In a boxing match. In boxing. Who would win? Um, <laughs> um, the ballet dancer, I think Jerome Bettis would be uh, unable to keep up with the guy in the sense that, you know... Well, it would be, sure be a high-risk, high-reward thing. Because if Bettis hit him once, he would be dead. But if the ballet dancer could stay out of his way, then Bettis would eventually run out and he'd fall over and collapse under his own weight. That's basically what happened. Do you think Bettis actually throws a really strong punch? No, he just throws his whole body at him and kill him. I think he does. (laughs) I think he does. I mean, a lot of these guys, I think a lot of football players would be great boxers because they sort of practice chucking people with stiff arms. And especially, you know, offensive linemen do that a lot. They do a lot of jabbing and uh, smacking guys in the head. Yeah, what about this? What if it Yeah, like Orlando Pace yeah. versus a ballet dancer in any kind of oh, like I strength take the ballet anything. Dancer. Over Orlando really? Pace? In what? In boxing? How about this, Andy? In like bench pressing. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Muhammad <laughs> Ali versus a ballet dancer <laughs> in boxing. Barista <laughs> versus exactly Ali. The same at conversation this point I had with career? my aunt. And I was like, 
do you understand that there are athletes that do unbelievable, they bench press, you know, 800 pounds 30 times, she's like, ballet dancers can do that. I'm like, no, they can't. <laughs> if they could, they would be making millions of dollars in the NFL. They can't bench press 800 pounds 50 times. She's like, yes, they could if they wanted to. I'm like, no. <laughs> they wanted to. They can run a 100-meter dash in less than 10 seconds. She's like, ballet dancers could do that if they wanted to. I'm like, no. You're <laughs> just full of shit. Baristikoff versus Muhammad Ali. What is this wins? is the kind what of thing she was saying. What is a good amount to be able to bench press? We were talking about this at work the other day. and, and um, For like I, an I average no human conception. being or like a high class for, for, athlete? Well, a good, a good, no, but an in-shaped human being. An average, Anything, but, you, but in shape. So not a world-class like, athlete like Story. Class, not like Story. We're talking about a human being, not, not a world-class <laughs> athlete like Story, right? Well... He would only have to bench press 60 pounds to bench his weight, so that's pretty good. So I was going to say that the first benchmark, no pun intended, is actually if you can bench press your weight, that's impressive. So you first you do your weight, and then anything above your weight is proportionally very good. Wait, but I can do my weight, and I'm certainly not built. So you can bench, what, like 185? How much do you weigh? 190? I weigh 200. 200? Yeah, that's good. That's, that's fine. If you can, I mean, if you can do like 10 reps of 200... Bench. No, I can bench two. Oh, ben, ten reps of it. No, I can't do ten reps. I can do. I can do two hundred. Like two hundred would be my max out. Wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. Wait, what's the difference? Okay. You mean bench? But rep is just doing it again, right? Like uh, one. You can bench press two hundred. Right. Yeah, but it's hard to you do have to it be again. able to do it's it comfortably. Really hard to... Not like if you exert and blow out your brain and pull all your muscles and do it once. <laughs> like you have to I be able to do it comfortably. Do it once or maybe twice, but there's no way that I would be able to do ten I mean, reps. I mean, that's good. That's that's good. I mean, again, this is not world class athlete, but that's you know better. Okay. than but there's a guy at work who person. weighs less than me <laughs> who can bench. He can bench 320, and he lays. He weighs a little less than me. Boy, well, and I, I would, I I would that bet that he's shockingly... been training for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, he goes to the gym, but I, I would get that seems shockingly good to me. Or, uh, that seems just you know ridiculous. Three over three hundred pounds. But wait, here's a better way to look at this. It just ben. seems well, crazy to me. Yeah. Orlando Pace can bench like six fifty. To be fair, unbelievable. Yeah, but okay, so, but this guy's not Orlando Pace. This guy's like no, you only know, Orlando Pace is Orlando Pace. Being. But this solves your problem, <laughs> Russ. All you need to do is ask your aunt. Okay. Could a ballet would a ballet dancer be more likely to be able to bench press Jerome Bettis like his whole body, or would Bettis be able to bench press a ballet dancer? And I bet that Bettis could bench press a ballet dancer much more than a ballet dancer could bench press Bettis. But they wouldn't. She would just be like, "Of course he could. He just doesn't want to." This is not an argument. This is just I mean, like, dumb. Who could protect Kurt? Who could better protect Kurt Warner, Orlando Pace or a ballet dancer? Uh, I'm going to go with a ballet dancer. <laughs> you know? Okay, this is where you need to bench press your aunt and just be like, look, okay? And that, that'll, that'll solve that problem. I'm not a ballet dancer. <laughs> I'm better trained. I yeah, no, I, I think it's silly. All-around athletes, flexible, balanced, sure. All those things, yeah. and they can make little leaps and nice little hops and whatever. But they're not the best athletes in the world. I'm sorry. Well, who are the best athletes in the world as a class of people, like as a category? Is it soccer players? I'd say decathletes. Or, or, or what about bicycle I'd say riders? Decathletes are the best athletes. What in the about world? cyclists? Isn't that part of the decathlon? Yeah, but but cyclists, the best cyclists, probably athletically can do just about anything. I mean, I guess decathletes do everything, but do they do anything really well, or they just do everything like pretty well for decathletes? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it depends. Like Carl Lewis was, I think, what I consider to be like one of the best athletes of all time. Yeah. He would win gold in everything. He could long jump. He could sprint. He could hurdle. 
you know, he could throw stuff, I guess. I don't know if he did any throwing stuff events. Friendly, I guess not. Throwing but. belly dancers. <laughs> um, Jim Thorpe, you know, was another one that everyone yeah, talks about. Yeah, that should be an event. Jim, yeah, there you, you go. Know, Jim Thorpe supposedly could do everything. Or guys like Bo Jackson, you there know, you go. or Deion Sanders, yep. cross, cross-sport athletes, I think, would be up there. Because they just have so much raw ability that they can do whatever they want in any sport. J.D. Drew, to a lesser extent. J.D. Drew? J.D. Drew. Wasn't huh? he a two-sport two guy, or am I... Am I mixing him up with somebody else? I thought Drew he was Henson? a two-sport guy. Are you thinking of Drew Henson? No, I actually thought J.D. Drew was like drafted in another sport as well as baseball. He might have been. I don't I, really know. I mean, Dave Winfield was Paul drafted Paul. in three sports. Right. Dave Winfield was professionally drafted baseball, football, basketball. Right. Brian Jordan played football and baseball as well. So I would like say he would be up yeah. there. Yeah, so I guess... What about Bo Jackson? Well, we talked about him, yeah. Yeah, that's Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson yep. exactly. Bo prime, prime example. Yep, yep. Absolutely. Prime. Deion Sanders. He's the better than any Deion ballet Sanders? dancer. Even with two artificial hips, he's better than any ballet dancer. But in the see, world. what is the measure? Even now, what is the measure <laughs> of a great man. athlete, though? Is a measure since my present day measure of man? Just <laughs> like Rocky Five all over again. But what is the measure of a great athlete? I mean, is a great athlete somebody who could just do a lot of different sports well, or is the measure of a great athlete somebody who is good physically and he could do anything decently, but he does one thing really amazingly, and he could do anything decently? Yeah, it's like someone with incredible amounts of natural ability, so much so that they could walk into any sport and be fantastic at it. Not necessarily the best in the world, but, you know, Jackie Robinson could walk into any sport and be, you know, national, one of the best in the country at it, just without, you know, without much practice. Okay. That kind of thing. I don't think ballet dancers could do that, unless every sport involves, like, stretching your hamstring and, and leaping back and forth and looking <laughs> so the answer is that that a ballet dancer could bench press Superman, but not the reverse. Definitely, they they could only envelop him into their tights and have him disappear. <laughs> uh, oh man, well, like close. Well, whether they're great athletes or not, they certainly wouldn't have. The athletes have proven that they don't necessarily have the greatest brains. Witness the quarterback of my team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, who decided to drive a motorcycle without a helmet and got flipped over a motorcycle and landed and had a concussion and multiple fractures and is very fortunate that he's going to be alive and his career isn't going to be hurt. But you have to wonder, how stupid do you have to be to do this? Like, how does that all work? You're like, okay, I'm going to be the stupidest person ever and ride a motorcycle without a helmet in the beginning of a promising football career. I think he was just testing the bounds of fear. Like, how afraid can you be of Ray Lewis chasing you down if you've already driven your motorcycle 90 miles an hour into a car and flown off of it? You will have no fear. And plus, he'll be all scarred and ugly looking. He'll be like a really, really scary, grizzled quarterback <laughs> in his third year of professional play. This is a really, really good move by this guy. <laughs> he's going to be like that guy in the movies who's a thousand years old and the best quarterback ever, and he's seen everything, but he's only in his third year because he's already had all that life experience this week. Well, it's true. They said that they like stabilized it by putting like titanium <laughs> plates and screws in his head. So if the guy comes in and tries to sack him, he'll just be like, do you want to attack my titanium head? Titanium head! You know? Hey, he's Wolverine. He saw X-Men there you go. Exactly. many times. Exactly. No, because Wolverine loves to drive a motorcycle, and he has titanium in his right. head. He's exactly the same. And Roethlisberger has regenerated. And he's stupid. Power, yeah. And he has temper. And he's stupid, exactly. Uh, how dumb. I mean, and they said there was no clause in his contract, quote, because the Steelers did not know that he liked to ride motorcycles. Okay. This is something you just put in. By the way, in case you ever would like to do it, <laughs> don't. Okay? You don't like it. All right? Even if you ever would like to, Dude. skydiving, don't do it. Motorcycles, don't. You've got to admit, that's a pretty brilliant ploy. Like, if, if some 
professional team signs you for $10 million for 10 years and you really don't want to live out your contract, you read your contract, and then the next night you sit there and start jabbing a fork into your eye over and over again. <laughs> and then when you can't play anymore, there's like, you never said I couldn't jab a fork into my eye. You have to pay me. I don't care. I'm living off of your contract for the rest of my life. And then they're like, brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> Except that he can't see that they're handing him a pile of money because he's only got one eye now. But other than that, it's a brilliant idea. He can see it. He just doesn't have any depth perception of the money. He can't see how how deep the money is, but he sees that there's well, money. Well, that's that's what kind of what happened to uh, the horse Barbaro. You know, when Barbaro who broke his leg. You know, at the beginning of the uh, of the Preakness or whatever. Oh, gosh. And Barbaro broke his leg, and they said that you know they they were a lot of people said, well, you know, is he going to survive? And the surgeon who treated him said this is the worst injury he'd ever seen in a horse because most horses that this happens to, they just get put down at the track. But, you know, his owners are really rich, and so everyone assumed that that's what was happening. What they didn't talk about was the fact that the insurance companies also were like, we would love him to go into surgery, save the poor horse, because if Barbara had died, the insurance companies would have had to pay out the $16 million that he was insured for. So the insurance companies were very much interested in making sure that poor old Barbara had that treatment that he needed. They're like, sure, we'll kick in $500,000 for his surgery. Absolutely, that noble animal. Let's not let him die on our watch. Yeah. And again, if you were the horse, so that, that's a brilliant sign move. A contract. Break your leg. <laughs> you know you're not going to become glue because of your your insurance policy. You know what you're going to become? You're going to become a stud. A stud. Yep. That's right, well, baby. Nice, but they talked about the nice fact that uh, it. it depends. Being a stud is going to be because there's no artificial insemination. So they pointed out that his legs need to be 100% because... Um, he needs to. Um, <laughs> I'm not. They've just got to experiment with different positions. <laughs> How about the mayor on top position? It's the Equasutra. Is that yeah, what dude. It is? He's a 16 million dollar horse. They'll buy him a harness or something. He'll fly through the air right into the the female like horse. The be fine. Like Catherine the Great. Exactly. They'll do what they need to do. Yeah. He is important seed. When you have important seed, there's nothing to stop you from being a stud. No amount of money. When you have backing and seed, oh dear God, you are a powerful well, horse. Well, horses <laughs> got crazy corporate backing. Horses clearly have the seed. life, don't they? It's very exciting. They, horses clearly have the life, don't they? Because they they were talking about Seattle Slough was a horse that they bought for fifty thousand dollars. When they figured in not just his race winnings but his sire, you know, his stud fees, they had made two hundred and fifty million dollars off of the horse. Can you imagine if it's like this? If you are oh. if you're the horse and your job is to have sex with as many other horses as possible and you're worth 250 million dollars you want to talk about well-conditioned athletes that right there is a well-conditioned athlete yeah and you still have a pea brain just like ben roethlisberger <laughs> it's the same the same lot in life all this talent and all this money and no idea what to do with any of it you have the mind of a three-year-old it's very sad and so do ballet dancers for that matter and so does cloak and so does the gay Superman. Right. They're all pea-brained. That's why I don't like them. <laughs> and thus, as is per usual at the MEP report, we have successfully tied everything together, and we've done so, gentlemen, in exactly one hour of time. And it is, in fact, one hour of time. It's since been began, one hour believe already, it or not. Huh? Yes, it is. Wow. It is one hour. Wow. And uh, we want to thank everybody for listening as usual. We apologize, by the way, for any audio problems we may have had in previous weeks. I hope they have now been rectified. I hope we all sound clear and nice and wonderful. And uh, and you can find us here again uh, next week. Oh, and we should also mention, by the way, we don't have this in our promo clip. We just want to mention, should, am I allowed to mention the Cast Wars thing? Can I mention that now, or is it still too far away? 
I think you can go ahead. You've got your public radio voice on, so you may as well go on with it like we're having a telephone or something. Well. It's fine. If you, right now, send in, we'll give you this nice tote bag. If you're, no. um, <laughs> What do you think of that, Bob? Uh, but yeah, actually over at podcastpickle.com, they have this thing called Cast Wars, as I think we mentioned before, may have mentioned a previous show. And it started with like 8,000 podcasts. And they basically, you go over there and there are these two pictures of podcasts and you just click on one or the other picture. And we've actually made it to round five. So our odds are now one to 572 or whatever it is that we're actually going to be able to win. But it's a lot better than 8,000 to one. So please, if you're interested, go over and, you know, check out Cast Wars and vote for us because that would be cool. We can have more listeners and even more listeners and bring you more of what you love, which is talking about horses, Superman is gay, and uh, whatever else we talked about in today's show. So, well, so right. there you go. So, right. so have a, a good week, everybody, and uh, we'll, we'll see you soon. Story should be back next week um, and safe from his baseball game. And until then... Unless the Mariners are playing somewhere. That's true, in which case he probably won't that's be. Right. If they're playing at all, he won't be here, unfortunately. <laughs> but otherwise, yes. If there's daylight in the city of Seattle, Story Clayton cannot be found. <laughs> He's like a reverse useless superhero. <laughs> he has the power to not be around when things that nobody cares about are going He's on. Dodge Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Say goodbye, everybody. I'm aloof, man. Where am I? I'm gone again. Goodbye, everybody. Good night, folks. The proceeding was a presentation of the MEP Report, hosted at www.mepreport.com. All rights reserved. In no way should any part of this show be construed as an invitation to buy, sell, or trade flightless birds, or reassemble Voltron. Or at least not the stupid one in the cars. Please support the MEP Report by voting for the show at www.vitalpodcast.com, adding the show to your list of favorites at podcastpickle.com, and clicking on the Vote for MEP link on the MEP Report homepage to vote for us at podcastalley.com. Email us at Greg, Russ, Story, or Andy at mepreport.com, and call us and leave a voicemail or a fax at 206-600-MEP1. That's 206-600-6371. And finally, please join the fight to stop the senseless farming of emu plants. It's immoral, it's unethical, and frankly, it's just a little bit gross.